For by grace are you saved through faith. Nothing that we can do on our own. Not of good works or anything else. But only the grace of God can forgive sin and get us into that relationship with Him. You have your Bibles this morning. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 2 through 5. Uh, This is our final lesson on a series that we entitled Seven Enemies of the Cross. This morning I want to talk to you about what I think is the worst enemy of the cross and that there is compromising pulpits. Now, for the past six weeks we've looked at six things that Satan uses to silence or to disrupt the message of the cross. As we pointed out, he knows, Satan knows, he cannot defeat Jesus Christ But if he can silence the true message of Jesus Christ, then he can affect the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. Now these have consisted of religion. The first one we looked at was religion. We looked at the misunderstanding about repentance. What is true repentance? The misconception of corporate worship. We looked at thirdly, the idea of a universal church that has been a growing thing that is an enemy of the church. The idea of a lifestyle evangelism, just live your life in good, others will see it, and boy, they'll just flock to Jesus Christ. Well, let me just say this, either we got a lot of people not living a very evangelistic life because there's not many people being saved, or people just not paying attention to that. So I think, you know, the idea of lifestyle evangelism, you know, being enough is another uh, enemy of the cross. And last, we saw how divisive followers of Jesus Christ or an enemy to the cross. In other words, you know, as people within this community see division uh, within the church rather than unity on the part of the church, they want nothing to do with what the church has to offer because they say if it's, it's going to cause all this fighting and squabbling, we want no part of it. Now today we end this series with probably, like I said, the biggest enemy of the message of the cross. And if this one thing was taken care of, this one enemy was taken care of, this compromising pulpits, you know, I believe that the other six would be in non-existence. Now you say, what in the world are compromising pulpits? These are pulpits that have traded the truth uh, for compromise and principle for uh, popularity. Let me tell you, our uh, pulpits are full of preachers that just want to be popular. And they're willing to sacrifice their principles in order to do so. You know, we have pastors that have traded uh, backbone for T-bone all because they're concerned about the almighty dollar. Let me tell you something. When the concern in a church is about the uh, almighty dollar, folks, that is compromising the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look, pastors, we're not called to be popular. We're called to proclaim the truths of God's Word, and our pastors need to understand that. And I hope we got some watching this morning because I got a lot to say about us pastors this morning. Now, Paul warned in the last days that that this would come about. What we're seeing today, Paul warned years and years ago. And trust me, the time arrived that Paul talked about in the 60s, and now many within our churches wouldn't recognize the truth if it hit them right between the eyes. You know, in fact, it's gotten to the point that if truth is preached, okay, that many see it as false doctrine and foreign because they've never heard it before. And how sad that people within our churches would think that the truth of the Word of God is false or foreign just because they've never heard it preached from behind our pulpits 
uh, before. God help us. So look, in, in other words, we have raised two or three generations uh, that have no earthly idea what the truth of God's Word is really all about. And when truth is preached, they're not able to handle it. It kind of reminds me of the show that I'm sure, sure most of you have seen, you know, A Few Good Men. And while on the witness stand, you know, uh, uh, Jack Nicholson burst, burst out when he was asked, tell us the truth, tell us the truth. And you remember what he said? Anybody remember what Jack Nicholson said while he is on the stand? You can't handle the truth. Folks, I'm afraid that people within our churches today can't handle the truth. And because, all because, they have not been given the truth in many, many years from the pulpits of America. I feel that in America today, that's where we are as the church of Jesus Christ. It's been so long since many have heard the truth that they're now unable to handle the truth because they do not see it as truth. Now, let's get started this morning. Paul, in, in our scripture text this morning, is encouraging a young preacher by the name of Timothy. And he gives Timothy this advice in our scripture text. Preach the word. Now, what's he saying? Preach the word. What word? The word of God, the true word of God, the full word of God. He says, preach the word of God, be instant in season. Hey, when it's popular, preach it. When it's not popular, preach it. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come, now here's what Paul says, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers. In other words, we're going to find a church that's going to tickle our ears. We're going to find a church that doesn't teach truth. Because we can't handle truth. He says, you know, they find for themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. And shall turn unto fable. But watch, Paul says, Timothy, but watch in all things endure affliction. What afflictions is he talking about? The afflictions you're going to receive as the result of preaching the true word of God. Endure that. Stick with that. Stick with your principles, Peter. Say, Timothy, stick with the Word of God. And endure, endure the affliction. He says, do the work of evangelists. Make full proof of thy ministry. Look, preaching of the Word of God is to be proclaimed the same to every generation. That's why he said, preach the word, be in, in, instant in season and out of season. Folks, every generation needs to hear the same word of God. Because the word of God is the same today, tomorrow, and forever. You know, the one thing we must understand is that the preaching of the cross cannot change. We cannot change the preaching of the cross. We cannot change the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look, methods of ministry can change, but the message of the cross must always, must always remain the same. You see, what was truth 2,000 years ago, folks, is truth today. Okay, what was truth in Jesus' day is truth today. Jesus' death, His burial, and His resurrection is the me a message that will never, ever change. So let's look at a few things here this morning. First of all, society may change. But the truth will always, 
always, always remain the same. Look, just because society accepts certain things does not mean we have to adjust the truth of God's Word to match society. And that's what's happening in a lot of churches today. You know, because society views things this way, society views this issue this way, so we're going to kind of, you know, move the Word of God around so it'll fit what the society has to say or they won't come to our church. God forbid. God forbid. Look, as people of God, we're to be salt and light to the world and not have the world to be salt and light to us. We're to have an impact on the world, not for the church to have an impact on the, I mean, the world to have an impact on the church. And I'm afraid in these last days, that is what's happening. Look, worldviews may change, but the truth remains the same. Look, it matters not how the entire world may view things. If the world does, uh, the worldview does not line up with the truth of God's word, then worldview must be ignored. Do you hear what I'm saying there? If worldview, if how the entire world views a certain topic or a subject or, or something, if it does not line up with the word of God, folks, we as the people of God have to stand against it and take a strong stand against it. Look, the world may say there's nothing wrong with killing babies, but the Bible said God hates hands that shed innocent blood. I don't care what the world thinks. The world may say there's nothing wrong with two people of the same sex being married, uh, but God's Word says it's an abomination to Him. The, word may, uh, the world may say there's nothing wrong with two people of the opposite sex living together outside the bonds of marriage, but God calls that fornication. And contrary to what the world thinks, the Bible says that people who do these things, okay, people who this is their habitual lifestyle, who know not Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, will spend eternity in a place called hell, a place that burns with fire and brimstone. Look, 1 Corinthians 6 talks about that. 1 Timothy 1 talks about these things. Revelation 21 talks about these things. So this is just not something I come up with. Look, it matters not how the world views sin. It matters how God views it. And how are we going to know how God views it? Because, folks, it's right here in His Word. It's right here in His Word. Now, thirdly, ideologies may change, but the truth remains the same. Now, Look, it matters not the ideology of the right or the left. If their ideological thoughts do not line up with the Word of God, then their ways of thinking must be discarded. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't matter how the Republicans view it. It doesn't matter how the Democrats view it. If their ideology goes against the Word of God, then they must be discarded. Now, while I'm right there, let me just say this. I do not see how anyone, anyone who calls themselves a Christian can go along with the platform of the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party's platform is totally against everything the Bible stands for. Just a thought. Just, I won't charge you. You don't have to put nothing extra in the offering plate here in just a few minutes over that one. Look. Many of our pulpits tend to shy away from truth 
that may seem controversial so as to not offend someone within their congregation. Look, many will not go into an area they may seem, uh, uh, see as uh, political so they won't be labeled as one of those preachers who brings politics into the church. Look, this is just the reason we, we, we are the way we are as a nation today, folks. That's why where we're at as a nation. We have lost power within the pews because we have lost truth from our pulpits. And that's just a fact. Look, the conviction, don't miss this, the conviction of the Holy Spirit will only come about when the truth of God's Word is proclaimed. So if the truth of God's Word is not being proclaimed in our pulpits, the movement of the Holy Spirit is, is, is not there. Because that's what the Holy Spirit takes is, is the Word of God. God says His Word will not return unto Him void, right? Why is that? Because as His true Word is proclaimed, the Holy Spirit is able to take those words and begin to move upon the hearts. Therefore, if the true Word is not being proclaimed, you hinder the movement of the Holy Spirit of God. And that's what's happening in many of our churches today. That's why Paul told the church at Rome, faith cometh by hearing. And hearing what society says is true? No. Hearing by what? The Word of God. So faith, salvation faith, comes about as a result of hearing the true Word of God. Then the Holy Spirit can take that true Word and begin to move on the hearts of the people. Folks, you take truth out of our pulpits, you're taking the Holy Spirit out of our churches. And when you take the Holy Spirit out of our churches, you're taking the power of God out of our churches. How sad. How sad. Look, the, the New Living Translation, I like the way it puts it, so I threw it up here for you. Here's what Paul says in the New Living Translation. He says, preach the Word of God. Okay? Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. And can I suggest to you that time is not very favorable in today's world for the truth of God to be preached. He goes on to say, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Boy, I thought that was good. That's why I threw it up there for you. Look, as pastors, we must understand it is not the people in the pews we're going to answer to someday. Look, I love every one of you, <laughs> Okay. But I'm going to preach the truth of God's Word. Because one day I know I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ, not you. And it's Him I'm going to have to give an answer to as to whether or not I sacrifice truth just so I wouldn't hurt someone's feelings. Look, it's not the people in Washington, D.C. we're going to answer to someday. It is Jesus Christ we're going to stand before all of us and give an account as to why we avoided preaching truth from His Word. You know, we're, we're going to answer to Him as why we watered down the Word of God so we wouldn't hurt someone's feelings in the pew, and, and even though we know they may be involved in that sin. And you know, that's one thing about pastoring a small church. The pastor pretty much knows, not everything, y'all keep a lot of stuff secret, I'm sure. But you know, in a small church, everybody pretty much knows everybody's business. And I will, uh, I'll, I will admit to you, sometimes it's hard to get up here and preach what God's laid on my heart because I know of somebody involved in that. But am I to avoid that just so I don't hurt 
their feelings? No. Why? Because I know one day I'm going to stand before him. I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ, and he's going to say, why did you avoid that? Well, you know, I didn't want to hurt old Joe Blow's feelings over here. Oh, really? Oh, really? You think he's going to buy that excuse? I don't think so. Look, prayer was removed from our schools in 1962 because pews remained silent, all because there was not a cry from our pulpits to stand up for our God-given right for prayer. Abortion was passed in 1973, and the pews remained silent, all because there was not a cry from our pulpits to stand up for the right to life for an unborn child. In 2004, Massachusetts became the first U.S. state to legalize same-sex marriage, and it was able to do so because the pews remained silent, all because there was not a cry from our pulpits to stand up for God's design of a marriage between one man and one woman. Now, as of 2015, some of you may know this and some of you may not. If you didn't learn, don't learn nothing else today, learn this, okay? As of 2015, same-sex marriage is fa- uh, federally legal in all 50 states due to a ruling of the Supreme Court. And yes, even in the great state of Texas. Even in the great state of Texas. And again, rather than the pulpits of America proclaiming the ungodliness of this action, pastors have hidden themselves behind their pulpits, afraid to proclaim the truth of this action that is an abomination against the holy God. Pastors, we we are the reason where we're at as a nation today because we have not been proclaiming the truth of God's Word from behind the pulpits because we're afraid either we're going to hurt someone's feelings or somebody's going to think we're picking on them or, God forbid, we're not politically correct. Billy Graham once stated, if God doesn't judge America... He's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Look, pastors, we must wake up. Pastors, we must speak up. We've lost the only nation that was ever founded on the Word of God all because, all because of the silence from our pulpits against sin that has overtaken this great nation. Well, you you don't understand... uh, I, I, I will offend some of the people if I speak out against abortion. Listen, first of all, if you've had an abortion, God forgives that sin, okay? So when a pastor speaks against abortion, he's speaking, I, y'all know me, I talk about abortion quite a bit, all these issues I, I, I preach on quite a bit. It's not the person who had the abortion that we preach against. It's the sin of of abortion. You understand the difference? You've got to separate that. It's the sin of abortion that we preach against, that the Word of God is against. Well, if I speak out on it, somebody may get hurt. This may sound tough, but you know what? So be it. So be it. My people will get upset if I preach against same-sex marriage. So be it. My people will accuse me of bringing politics within the church. So be it. Am I being too harsh? I hope not. 
so be it. Well, you don't understand. Well, you're right, I don't understand. Listen, church, we are not only in a spiritual battle for the souls of our family and our loved ones. We're in a spiritual battle for the rights of the people of God in this United States of America. When will some pastors wake up and realize we have slipped through some great changes within our nation? You know, we have in Washington, D.C. at this time the most anti-God, the most anti-religious, the most anti-Christian administration in the 245-year history of this nation. If pastors don't wake up, if those within the pews do not wake up, if the Christian community does not wake up, we're going to find ourselves living under laws that totally violate the entire written Word of God. We're already doing that to a point. And the next thing you know, we're going to be just like the children of Israel who found themselves in bondage to Egypt. Folks, we're going to be in bondage to this government. I know some may think that's extreme. I think you're stretching it a little bit there, Pastor. But in the 50s, who would have thought that the United States of America would make it legal to kill over 4,000 babies a day? You heard me right. Over 4,000 babies a day killed at the hands of abortion. As early as 2000, who would have thought that all 50 states would be allowing same-sex marriage? It's my opinion here that in the next three years, before this current administration is gone, trust me, there's nothing that's too extreme. Nothing that is too extreme. Listen, there comes a time when you have to stand up and be counted. A time you have to stand up and shout. Church, that time is now. That time is now. Christians, that time is now. And pastors, that time is now. Because without pastors leading their people, their people will do nothing. Now, next thing we see here is compromising pulpits make for itching ears. What causes the itching ears? The compromising pulpit. Because people get used to their ears being tickled. Let's look at this. You show me a compromising pulpit, and I'll show you a congregation that not only does not know the truth, but can't handle the truth when they're presented with it. Look what Paul says. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. And she'll be turned to fable. Folks, we're seeing that today in many, many churches. Now, let's break down this verse. John, throw that verse up. Let's look at this. Let's kind of break it down. The word endure here literally means bear with. So where there are compromising pulpits, the people cannot bear the truth is what he's saying. It means to have patience with. They can't have patience with the truth. Or admit to. They can't admit to the truth. And the thing about this passage, and probably the saddest, is because, they're, because uh, pastors fear their people will not bear the truth. They've passed, because pastors feel their people will not have patience with the truth being proclaimed, and they will not admit it being truth, they fear to speak the truth. 
And what does that create? It creates a vicious cycle that gets faster and faster and faster the longer we let it go. Now, the next thing here we see, where there are compromising pulpits, the lust of the people grow darker and darker and darker. Look, if truth is not proclaimed, some people do not see sin as sin, and the next thing you know, they're so deep in sin, they may never return from it. Look what James says about the, uh, about the lust of the people. James says this, But every man is tempted, every man is tempted, when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then he says, Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. It bringeth forth death. Look, not only are people dying physically and spiritually because of sin, which is in part due to compromising pulpit, but we're seeing the greatest nation on the face of the earth dying also. Dying also. Folks, this is not the United States of America I grew up in. And it's not the United States of America that all of you in here this morning grew up in. And I think you would admit that. Things are different. Times are different. Different. The views of people towards sin is different. We become tolerant to sin, all because of compromising pulpits. You see, not only are people dying physically and spiritually because of sin, it's all due to compromising pulpits. Now, let's look at the third thing here. Where there are compromising pulpits, the people will reject truth and true doctrine. The word turn away in that scripture, in that scripture we got up there for you. The word turn away means to reject or replace. And that's exactly what has happened in many of our churches today. Salvation by grace through faith has been replaced with the doctrine of good works. Just be a good person. Just be a good neighbor. Hey, at Christmas time, you know, give some money to, you know, somebody or buy somebody a gift. Just be good. And everything will be fine. Look, the idea of God being a God of justice and judgment has been rejected, and the focus now is on the love of God and how that I am good, you are good, we're all good, we can live just the way we choose because God is a God of love, God is a God of understanding, and He's going to let us get by with it. In East Texas, they say hogwash. Look, the call for repentance has been replaced with the call for tolerance. And it's all a result of compromising pulpits and the pastors who have skirted around the truth so as not to offend their people. Compromising pulpits, the seventh enemy of the cross. And I think one that probably, if this one would be taken care of, the other six would vanish. The other six would vanish. Let me give you three closing thoughts, and we'll be through. First of all, I encourage anyone, anyone who is a minister of the gospel. Now, that's whether you're a pastor, an evangelist, a Sunday school teacher, small group leader, whatever. If you're one who is teaching the Word of God, if you're one who is pro proclaiming the truth of God, in whatever capacity you share that Word, look, be bold, be bold, be strong, 
fear not, and do not under any circumstance compromise the Word of God. Look, do not worry about being politically correct. You know, I'm glad I can't even spell that. That way I'm not tempted to be that. Don't worry about being politically correct. Do not worry about offending your people. Do not worry about hurting someone's feelings. It, 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 it is your people, it is not your people that one day you're going to answer to. It's Jesus Christ that one day we're going to stand before as ministers of his gospel, as teachers of his gospel, and give account to him, and him only, as to why we chose to compromise his word. And we led many people, as a result of that compromise, down the wrong you know, we're told in God's Word that that narrow way is narrow, but that broad way is big. And you know what? You, you know which path compromising the Word of God is going to set people on? That broad way. That broad way. Well, hey, that's good. Everybody's here. Everybody's doing it. Yeah, that broad way is going to empty out right into the pits of hell. And pastors, evangelists, Sunday school teachers, group leaders, small group leaders. You may have put some on that. All because you was willing to compromise the Word of God so as not to offend no one, hurt someone's feelings, or to be politically correct. God forbid. God forbid. Secondly, if you're in a church, this is going to be tough, but it's true. If you're in a church where the Word of God is being compromised and the pastor refuses to teach the truth, my counsel to you is get out. Get out. Why subject yourself to that? Look, we're living in the last days, and if you continue listening to watered-down versions of the Word of God, you're never, first of all, going to reach yourself, uh, reach your potential spiritually. And second of all, you're going to become numb to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in regards of sin. And finally, if you've been taught that all you have to do to make it to heaven is to be a good person and treat people right, you are totally misinformed. Are you with me? You're totally misinformed. Because the truth of God's Word says... For by grace are you saved through faith, okay? And not of yourselves, not nothing you can do. It's a gift of God, not of any works that you can do. At least any man should be able to boast one day and say, look what I did, look what I did. You see, the truth of God's Word also says this. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you're going to be saved. Does it say anything there about being a good person, doing good work? Let me, let me just throw this in. If salvation was based on being a good person, I'd have never got it. <laughs> I'd have never got it. And don't some of you laugh. You know, some of you wouldn't have eaten. <laughs> okay. We would have never got it. He says, but if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you're going to be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Again, these two verses, you find nothing about works. 
You find nothing about being good. You find nothing about being popular that's going to bring about salvation. Now, if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, this is just a simple, straight-to-the-point way for salvation, the way to heaven. And if you're here today or you're watching us today on Facebook, and you're in a church that is compromising the truths of God's Word, I pity you, first of all. But second of all, get out. Get out. If you're a pastor and you're watching us this morning, and you're compromising the Word of God because, you know, you don't want to hurt someone's feelings or you're afraid they're going to run you off or, or whatever, stop it. Stop it. Again, God called you to preach the word, not to be popular. Not to be popular. So I encourage you, get back to the truth of God's word. Are you going to offend some people? Yes. Are you going to lose some people? Probably yes. Is God going to replace them with some spiritual people? Yes. So this morning, you as a congregation, Stand for what is right. You may find yourself standing all alone, but stand for what is right. On your job, in the school, wherever you are, stand on the truths of God's Word. Now, I, don't do it just to hurt someone's feelings. But if their feelings get hurt as a result of that, so be it. So be it. Let's get back to the truths of God's Word. Let's regain the power of the Holy Spirit within our churches because we're not compromising and not watering down His Word. You know, I've told you this before, but I used to hate it when Mama would give me Paragark. Doc, you remember when Paragark was the cure for everything? Can you even still get it today? I don't think you can. Uh, Mama would give me Paragark for anything. I don't care what was wrong. Here, son, take some Paragark, you know? And, and, and... I would always tell her this one thing. Mama, mix some water with it. How many of you took Paragard? Okay. It was pretty powerful, wasn't it? I'd say, Mama, please mix some water with it. And every time she'd tell me this, Honey, you know, if I water it down, it won't do no good. Listen to me. You water down this, folks, and it won't do no good. Let's keep the Word of God as it is. Let's pray. Thank you.